Kia ora, I'm Tim McCready and this is Too Much Talk, a podcast from Onihanga FM. Way back in 1893, Elizabeth Yates became mayor of Onihanga and the first female mayor in the British Empire. She famously said, There is in both borough councils and in parliament too a great deal too much talk. Over the last few weeks, we've been cutting through the talk and chatting to candidates and commentators ahead of the local body election about their vision for Onihanga and the surrounding suburbs. In this episode, we speak with Craig Lord. He's a freelance media operator, MC, and marriage celebrant. Craig ran for mayor in 2019 initially as a dare and came in third. And before we start this episode, a note about the other top polling candidate, Wayne Brown. Onihanga FM has reached out to Wayne and his team over the past few weeks. While he's agreed to chat with us, he has not yet been able to make the time for an interview. We hope to be able to bring you that interview before voting closes. Kia ora, Craig Lord. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you for the invite. Most welcome. Uh, I'm going to begin with, I guess, the obvious question, and that's just to ask you in under two minutes. Could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your background and what you would bring to the mayoralty? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm a former hydraulic and pneumatic maintenance diagnostic engineer. So that was the first 16 years of my adult working life. And for the last 20 years, I've run my own business doing media, broadcast, communications kind of thing, mainly for events, functions, motorsport predominantly. So it's not news media. It's more event and storytelling kind Mm -hmm. of media um, to a pretty niche market. So that's that's been kind of good. So that's really what I've done for 35 years here in Auckland, just working in and around small businesses and, and things. So what I bring is a common sense attitude to the mayoralty that comes from my, I suppose, my natural instincts anyway, but also the engineering, because engineers, we're common sense people. It's just what we are. Um, that pragmatic style of things, making sure things uh, make sense. You know, A goes to A, B goes to B, and it doesn't go anywhere else. And we, we know that a a square peg doesn't go in a round hole, um, but we know how to make the round hole square if we have to. So it's that kind of mentality I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And also, really, my entire policies and, and visions all revolve around the same thing which is making Auckland Council a world leader in providing core services because that's its job. And all the other things that people talk about as fluff on the side and narratives and rhetoric of sound bites, everything to me should be about core services. So you're serving the people, that's the council's job, that's what you're elected to do, that's what you're paid to do, so do that. And and I want to change a lot of I guess the mannerisms and the operations inside council to do that for the people, to to make it work for the people. So that's really my my overall mm. um, vision and goal, and in that is the different policies. Great. Well, yeah, we'll dive into those in just a minute. Um, uh, I did want to point out this is your second run for mayor. Uh, you ran in 2019, and mm. you came a respectable third behind Phil Goff and John Tamahiri. Uh, you got about 30,000 votes. How do you think um, Phil Goff has gone uh, over the three years? Pretty average, to be fair. I, I He's got his good points, but he's also got bad points. But we're humans. We all probably have that, you know. So, look, I find he's been a little um, lacklustre, and he hasn't been a communicator to the people, which is what the mayor's job is. You're meant to be the representative of the people, not just the person that goes and uh, to, to business and corporate meetings and presses palms and cuts ribbons. You're meant to be doing more than that. 
So I'm, I'm quite disappointed. We hardly ever hear from him. Um, it's only in a disaster or, or, or if some major news happens that affects Auckland, you hear a few sounds bite from him. Apart, apart from that, nothing. And also I think the fiscal responsibility has been lacking. I don't think there's been a push to really tighten the purse strings. And also I don't feel there's been enough pushback to the government. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, he's he's a Labour mayor. Uh, he's, he's part of them. He's in their system, embedded in their system. So he's not going to push back too hard at all. And and even like for an example, the Three Waters, you hear him pushing back in the media, but in the background, you, you find later that he's already accepted the first payment from the government for Three Waters. And to me, that kind of sums sums him up. So that's definitely not what I'll be. Mm. What was it that made you initially want to run for mayor? Because I think a, a lot of people listening to this have probably got in the back of their mind, you know, maybe I should run for, for local politics at some level. What is it that made you uh, throw your hat in the ring three years ago and indeed again uh, this year? I think it's it's two things. Uh, one is my, my nature is I like helping. And, and it, that comes in various forms, you know, for people. Some people work in community groups. Some people might like to always fix people's cars or whatever. There's, there's certain people that always want to help others. And I do in, in various ways. It's what I enjoy doing. And even when I was an engineer, my job was to uh, make other people happy by solving their problems. And, and, and I loved doing it. That's why I did it for so long. And even in the media, I'm, I'm, they come to me and say, how can we tell our stories? How can we spread our message? So you're helping. And, and, and that's just, I just love doing that. Mm. But it, originally it came as a dare because a friend of mine, we were chatting over the barbecue and got into local politics somehow as conversations do. And then we went on to rates. And of course, as soon as anyone gets onto the conversation of rates, we all start having that same conversation. And and he was the kind of guy, he, knew, he knows me well, and he goes, then why don't you put up your hand and sort it out? Okay, then. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 2019, I'm an absolute nobody. I'm a complete unknown, and I end up third. Mm. And it's kind of like, my messages must have been right to those who actually managed to hear them. So that's kept me going. And that was really the main reason. It was, it was to help, and also that, Whenever I do anything or I see something done, I always like to analyse it and go, I, actually, I wonder if I could do that better. And that's mm. my nature as well. There's probably a bit of ego in that to look at what someone has done and go, well, I could do a better job. But there's also a bit of pride as well to say, well, yeah, I can do a better job. So that's why I put my hand up because I saw what was going on. I thought, well, okay, I can do a better job of this and I'll solve it and, and help people at the same time. So... That's how it all ended up happening, and, and I think, like you say, for anyone thinking about going into local politics, if you're going in to serve the people and, and try and make a difference and not be there for your own interests, which is really important, you're not there to build an empire or, or get what you want out of it, then do it. I, 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 <laughs> we need more people putting up their hand that want to help. Mm. Yeah, I think that's no one's going to disagree with that. Um, I, I think it's probably fair to say that you are the underdog in this election. What would you say sets you apart from the other two candidates, Professor Collins and Wayne Brown? Yeah, I am sadly become the underdog, which I, I am frustrated with, obviously, mm. who wouldn't be? But I do like the fact that the Kiwi attitude, uh, for as long as I can remember, has always been back the underdog and, and the Kiwi battler. So so that's why I'm I'm pretty comfortable about where we're sitting and the underdog 
status only comes from the polls. And that's because, well, the polls are pretty average, to be fair, and, and, and that's all the media have to talk about. So they use that poll regardless of how good it is. That's their number. So I don't mind being the underdog because of that, that, that people go, yeah, this is the guy we want. We're going to back him. Uh, and, and the policies I've got are making sense to people. That message I had in 2019, predominantly the same now. The only difference is I've had three years to keep campaigning, and I basically haven't stopped. And I've stayed on social media, and I've communicated uh, issues that I've seen, and people have continually given me feedback over three years. So I've been able to adapt the policies that I've had, I've been able to add to them and, and actually take some bits away, um, just tune them up a bit, and, and they're even better now than they were three years ago. So so that's really what, what I'm about and, and why I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that the message is resonating out there amongst what I call the common people. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's my target, the everyday Aucklander, and, and I guess I want to be the, the mayor for everyone, and that's maybe why it gels. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've mentioned policy, so let's take a look. I've, I've, I've had a look at your website uh, and you've got a string of items on your to-do list there. Uh, your top three include uh, creating a core services strategy, uh, return council-controlled organizations to council control, and remove road restrictions. So maybe we'll look at them in order. Sure. Uh, talk to me through uh, creating a core services strategy. What does What does that mean? Well, currently council does not have a list of what it considers to be core services. And when I found that out a few years ago, I was, I was quite bemused that that happened. So it was actually presented to the previous CEO and Phil Goff said, no, nah, we don't need to do that. We don't, we don't want to do that. So it was taken away. And I found that out from a couple of councillors, which I was a bit disappointed about because I think it should have a list. Council should have a list of these are our core services. These are our niceties. So you've got necessities and niceties. And that's where the lines get a little blurred. People go, well, what does that mean? For me, a statue is a nicety. It's not a necessity. Uh, The mirror over O'Connell Street is a nicety. Um, Putting in a brand new multi-million dollar footpath in a park is actually a nicety. It's not necessary. It's good to have, but that's a want versus a need. If it's dangerous and you can't access the path or the other side of the park or whatever, sure, it's a necessity. But if it's just to make life a little bit more comfortable for walkers and stuff, that's a nicety. And and that's what I've been getting across to the people, and they're agreeing. Mm. So for me, we need to create this core services strategy that's going to come down to the public, talking to the local boards, talking to the councillor, bringing it back to the table, and we actually draft it up. There will be people that disagree on things. Some may say, well, arts is a necessity. It's a core service. For me, I'm like, "Mm, it's not. That's more a social service. That's a feel-good factor. And we might have to have three (laughs) segments. We might have to have the necessities to keep the city operating, the sort of fluffy stuff in the middle that makes us feel good, and then the we want this but we don't need this list. Right, because I get you do you do need some of the niceties, right? Because you want to attract people to live in the city and to stay to stay here. Yeah, and that's where the difficulty is going to come. But I think it's important that we nut it out and we let the people uh, be part of that. It's their city; it's not ours. So the people have to come back and say, "Yeah, we get it. We do want some nice uh, things to look at, and we want beautification in places." Um, 
but we also understand that clearing the drains, trimming the trees, uh, dredging the rivers to stop Kumu flooding, um, making sure the footpaths are repaired, the roads are repaired, lights are working. Yeah, we get it. They're necessities. That's our focus. That's where our major investment should be going. And then we go, yeah, it'd be nice to have new gardens and the, the, this done on the park here and make it lovely so we can, like playgrounds. Playgrounds are one that can be actually in both. But to me, they're more a necessity because they're a, commu- a, a special community service mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than a bit of artwork. So, so, And that's where the negotiations, and they will be robust discussions, no doubt. But they've got to be had. And I think the majority, which is what we need to listen to, the majority will agree that there's a certain segment of things that should be a core service and others are services but not the core, not the the major provision of a council. Okay. Okay. Got it. So, okay. Let's, let's take a look now at, um, at, at CCOs. I, I assume mm. they're probably a core uh, provision of council, would you say? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, so these are the likes of Auckland Transport, Auckland Unlimited, uh, the Economic and Cultural Agency and Panuku, which is responsible for the city's urban regeneration. Uh, you want to return those CCOs to council control. How, what, what does that mean? And what would you get out of that? Okay. Well, we'll, pick on Auckland Transport first. Actually, no, we'll go away from Auckland Transport because it's easily picked on. Let's go to the other two. Well, there's four, really. So Watercare is just a service company. No big deal. They actually do a pretty good job. There's some trimmings to be done. I know people that work there that tell me the stories. I go, okay, yeah, that could be done better, but it's not not a disaster. So there's just a bit of trimming. No problem. Mm Mm-hmm. You've got Panuku and Unlimited. Now, Panuku is basically a property developer. That's their function. But they burn hundreds of millions of dollars a year to do that. And and they're playing with money. And to me, there's something not quite gelling. A good example is when they sold the Civic Building, uh, beside the Civic, for, what was it, $3 million and, and hectares of land. I mean, something doesn't add up. So we've got to bring that back under control so that council can look at it properly and that's just one example of many uh, like some of the streets beautification they've done Onihanga, Pukekohe, Henderson, Westland all over the place and they've been unmitigated disasters so they're just burning through money so we've got to get that under control and then you go to Auckland Transport now Auckland Transport is a monster that is definitely breathing fire all over the place and they need to be slayed and we, we, we've just got to get them where they're not making the decisions for us. The people need to tell them this is what we want. And that's the, the big change that has to happen. So how do you do it is the question. And there are tools. And, and you know, I've been working on this for four years now to read up on the legislation and find out how it works. Mm-hmm. There's two committees, as a starter, there's two committees inside council the CCO Oversight Committee, which is a committee of the whole, that's all 21. And then there is the Performance Appointments Performance Review Committee. And that is just a committee of seven. Those two committees together have the power to hire and fire the board, make the CEO um, uh, accountable for their, their duties as CEO, so we hold them responsible. It provides the statement of intent of what the duties are of the CCOs and what they can and can't do. So that legislation actually exists. 
it's never properly been enforced, and that's where we have the issue. Right. So, and, and also Phil Goff took two councillors off the voting position of the board. We need those two councillors back on. So there's, there's tools available to be able to say to Auckland Transport, no more. We're going to make a big change here because the people are not impressed with what you're doing. Here's the tools available. And that's what the mayor has the power to do. The mayor doesn't just walk in and fire everyone. He has to use that committee. So the mayor is not the overall say and can still get voted down. But the mayor can chair that committee. And and as Phil Goff did, he stacked that committee with his uh, Labour councillors. So, so right. that's, that's what it is. So I'll do the same as Phil. I'll stack the committee, but I'll stack it with councillors that have the people's best interests in mind, rather than his his little group of, of, of A team on there to just do what he wanted. That's not how it should be. So so All that's right. how we can sort the CCOs. Okay, cool. We could probably talk about that for the entire episode, but we'll mm. move on to the, your your third uh, top uh, policy on your on your website, which is removing road restrictions. What what do you mean by what do you mean by that? Yeah, so that's the Auckland transport issue. So what they're doing is purposely creating congestion. NZTA admitted that in one of their meetings. Um, it was on a Radio New Zealand interview. And the former CEO of Auckland uh, Council admitted that, yes, we're creating restrictions. And so did Ludo Campbell-Reed before he left and went to Melbourne. So I'm picking you wouldn't be a fan of the low traffic neighbourhood trial that ran in no. Onihanga? No, not at all. It was a disaster. So, so what they're doing is they put in traffic islands to restrict lanes. Uh, sometimes they'll merge two into one for no reason. They've removed free left turns from all over the city. They've put in speed humps where they're not actually for safety, but purely to slow everyone down. And at times, that's, that's fine. If there's a high-speed road and you know everyone's just treating it like a racetrack, yeah, okay, let's slow down people here and put a bit of safety in mind. We'll put in a couple of speed humps, well-signed, well-lit up, because a couple of the new ones you can't see, and there's people going airborne. Um, the reports on social media are quite fan- fascinating. But there's so many that are being put in that are nonsensical. They're cynical, and we've got to get rid of those. We've got to get traffic flowing again. Raised pedestrian crossings, to me, are, are ridiculous. They're saying they're for safety, but... By the time you hit the pedestrian crossing and then go, oh, I better slow down, you've already hit the pedestrian. They should be using rumble strips well before the pedestrian crossing so that an inattentive driver goes, oh, ooh, what's our pedestrian crossing? Because that's where the problems happen at pedestrian crossings. Just a little bit of inattention, some rumble strips, job solved. So there's all these sort of things they're doing to slow the traffic down. We've got to remove those and get everyone flowing again because it's costing the city hundreds of millions of dollars in, in lost time and also it creates more emissions. And even the the chair of our climate control committee admitted on Twitter that when you slow down the traffic, we're creating more emissions. It's like, well, talk about an own goal. Yeah, all right. So so you want to get traffic flowing again, but what, what about making uh, the roads safer for all users? What are, I, I know you're not a, a huge fan of cycleways. Am I correct in that? Yes and no. I, I, I do like cycleways. I've got no problem with a safe place for cyclists to ride. What I've got a problem with is when they put them in main arterial roads that now start causing problems because you've reduced a bit of the road width. Cars are now closer together. Cars are close to those cyclists. They should have used the footpaths. The footpaths are there, and there's also 
where I've noticed a lot of these cycleways being put in, there's wasted land on the side. Well, they could have extended the footpath more on towards away from the traffic, just like they did on Tamaki Drive. They didn't expand it. All they did was paint the line down the middle because it was already wide enough. But that's available. And just sometimes I see some nonsensical cycleways being built for excessive amounts of money that are causing more problems than they're solving. And I do get we want cyclists to be safe. No problem at all. But where do we draw the line? Where, where do you stop wrapping the world in cotton wool um, over other things? And that's always been a problem for humans, and it always will be. Someone will say, well, I want more. And others will go, well, come on, enough's enough. We, we, we can't be like that. So there's a compromise to be had. No problem with sharing, but it's just got to be done in the right place. And there's so many side streets where cyclists can use but for some reason, they're just doing it on the main arterials. So it seems yeah, so, a bit odd. Okay, so main arterials is one, is one thing. But what about one of the things that we've heard about on this podcast when we've talked to some of the some of the community members is that they want their kids to have sort of safe routes to be able to cycle to to school, um, like it was when you know when they grew up when they weren't you know the roads weren't quite so busy. How how do you make it safer for uh, for kids to get to and from school uh, on by bike? Well, everywhere's got a footpath. Everywhere, well, except Herald Island and some of the rural sites, but. But generally there's footpaths, so maybe we've got to rethink the wheel here. And instead of putting them on the road with cars, we say, well, the footpath is there. Of course, you've got the issue with driveways. That becomes a problem. It's not a simple solution. I do understand it. Um, There is not going to be a, a blanket one thing suits everywhere and I think that's been part of the problem because I, to me that's what Auckland Transport are doing currently. They're just saying, well, we're just going to put them in. But it's actually causing other issues. So we're going to have to compromise and come up with solutions. Sometimes we can use a footpath. Sometimes we can widen areas. We've just got to be a bit smarter about it than just throwing down some concrete blocks, painting a bit of the road and saying, there you go, there's your cycle lane. No. Okay, I wanted to also ask you about your leadership experience because um, you know that's that's a major um, component of being mayor. You've got to bring 20 councillors together, mm-hmm. uh, which is always fraught with challenges uh, given the disparate bunch that you'll likely end up with. How, how would you approach that? Well, it's just adult conversations, isn't it? Like we're having now, you just communicate and when an, uh, a, a debate happens, an argument, uh, you've just got to be adult about it. And I know that sort of rhetoric has always said adult conversations, it's a buzzword, but it's true. You've just got to talk to people and say, well, look, I, I don't agree with you. I know that's what you believe, but we should be doing what the people want or however it is. And there's, it's really difficult to explain to people how you solve conflict amongst other people unless you're in that conflict at the time, because they're always slightly different and the issues change the conflict style. Leadership is is about uh, listening and it's about giving your opinion and visions without being a bully, without banging the table, shouting down, this is what's going to happen, without belittling people. Say, yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't agree with it. And just mm. and having the courage to say no or the courage to admit you are wrong. And that's how you work as a leader. But you've also got to be decisive. You've also sometimes got to say, enough. We can't keep doing this and lay your reasons down. And it's, it's not like you own the company, as you've said. You, you're not, you're not the, the colonel of an army where people just do what you say. You're not the boss where people have to do what you want. You do have to do it differently, but um, coming in as the boss, you, you'll get nowhere. You'll be stonewalled on, on week one, game over for three years. That's right. Mm. 
Uh, okay, I, I did want to ask, you don't seem to have a lot on your website, I might have missed it, but in relation to climate action, what do you consider to be the responsibility of council in terms of uh, climate change? Well, there's very little we can do. That's the problem. The numbers are very clear. Uh, government have put on that New Zealand as an entirety, not just Auckland, the entirety is only 0.17% of the world's emissions. It's so tiny. Any change we do is is so minuscule, it's not going to affect the weather. So that's that's the first part. But does it's that mean f- we do we should do nothing? No, 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 I'll finish. Because mm-hmm. that's what happened. People go, oh, well, you're a denier. <sighs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Humans are terrible. We are putting out emissions. Yes, we are affecting the climate. And we do bad things. Even the way we throw our junk into rivers and the ocean and bury our stuff in landfills, it's ridiculous. And the amount of consumable products we buy that we have to bury the packaging. We're just, we're dumb. And then you could go overseas and say, well, look at what you're doing with your rainforests. You're obliterating our planet. So we can do a lot better as humans. We've got to stop chopping down thousands of trees per year around Auckland. That's a number one. We've got to stop selling off our green spaces and turning them into concrete jungles. That's two. The problem with vehicles, which is the easy one for anybody to pick on, is the reduction in emissions is not going to change the climate. That's the problem. Yet we're told to run around in circles going, the sky is falling quick, we're going to die in a couple of years from floods and fires. And like, hang on, what we do will not change that. We are a tablespoon in an Olympic-sized swimming pool, emptying it out while the rest of the world is filling it up with a bucket. But we still have to keep doing it anyway, because then if everybody else gets their tablespoons in there, cool, we can start making. So at the moment, it's a feel-good factor. It's it's to look good on the world stage. And some climate activists have admitted that. I've, I've heard their their podcasts online. They're saying, yeah, well, it's up to us to, to make the start and look right so the rest of the world might follow. Well, the rest of the world doesn't care what we do. But I understand the rhetoric that they're trying to portray. So, and, and it comes down to also electric vehicles. They're not as green as people think they are. And we also can't, we don't have the infrastructure to charge them. If everybody got EVs next next year, we're, we're in a world of hurt. So we've just got to slow down and be a bit more logical about it. That's why it's not been a focus of me for a policy. That's why I haven't been talking about it. Um, I give my explanations and I say I'm happy if people want to go electric cars. If we want to put in a few electric buses, all good. But I'm more about mitigation. I'm more about the council admitting that they failed in their core service to dredge the river in Kumu, and they admitted if that they had have done that, it would have been highly unlikely Kumu would have flooded last year. That was their own review. Now, to me, that was a basic function of core services that they failed on. We need to be doing that. So if we're going to keep the climate tax, I don't want it to go to new buses and all that. I want it to go to the contractors that are going to clear our drains, make sure our culverts are, are good, our rivers are dredged, our, our sewer is not flowing in the wrong, all those sort of places with climate mitigation. Help with our seawalls. The O-Rewind's been delayed again. So those sort of things we, we have to do, and that's where I'm at with that. Climate. All right. Stuff. Yeah. What about uh, what about? Okay. So let's talk about public transport because a, 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 a large component of our emissions come from transport. And I know that you want to uh, scrap the light rail project. 
uh, and instead uh, campaign to replace it with a, a maybe a second harbour crossing. Uh, what would you do uh, to improve mass transport in Auckland? Is that something you think does need work? It does, but it's almost impossible. And I've been very open about saying this. And I also have been open about saying I feel sorry for Auckland Transport trying to do it. The reason is Auckland's topography, our layout, and the way the sprawl of suburbs has been created over the last 180 years has never been designed to take public and mass transport. And every time they compare us to an overseas city, they have. They've been going for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and they've developed their cities to work around mass transport. Auckland has not. And when you look at a map and you drive around, you go, yeah, this isn't easy at all. I I can see why there's a problem here. And there's only three solutions to get effective mass transport in Auckland. One is tunnelling and subways, which will never, ever happen because of the cost. The next one is a scorched earth policy. So, well, you've got two sort of options together there. You get rid of the cars, which is what they're trying to do, and replace it all with buses. But that doesn't work because they're, they, it just doesn't solve the getting around problem. So you've got to use the scorched earth policy instead, which is they're looking at doing at the Eastern Bus Link at the moment, removing around 30 properties, which is why the consultation's gone on for so long. So a scorched earth policy all around Auckland to lay in good bus lanes or tramways or whatever. And the third option is going above ground like they've done overseas. So, mm-hmm. And the good thing about above ground that I like is the new technology of magnets or air, or and they're electric now. They're not even, you know, they're not powered by engines. They're electric. Solar so you're panel. sort of talking sort of like a monorail t- style. Sort thing. of. The yeah. old school monorail is gone. The new mm. stuff is fantastic mm-hmm. and cheap. It's it's so economical. So to me, that's the only three ways you can solve Auckland Transport's mass transport problem. And even if we had a second harbour crossing, we still don't have the links for the harbour crossing. That's right. Hmm. So that's the issue. And I, when I went on the tour of the CRL, I said to the guys, okay, if we put a, a second harbour crossing, where does it link into the new line? And and the chiefs of CRL are going, oh, um, yeah, um, so even they don't know. So there's still a lot to be thought about there. I know the North Shore would love mass transport rail, but how do you link it? That's our, our major issue now. Their northern bus link is great. That, oh, that is brilliant down the motorway. And if we can get that on our other motorways working properly, great stuff. But it's still not the ultimate mass transport that we need. And, and finishing on that, I have been watching the AT local system that they're trialling. Yes. Uh, I think they did a Devonport for they a did. while. But yeah, I, think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's out in maybe Papakura or somewhere at the moment. I can't exactly remember the suburb it's in. So this is when you, you can use an app, sort of like Uber, to, to, um, to get yeah. a car that comes and picks you up and takes you to where you want to go, sort of in a local, in a local area, right? Yeah, it's kind of a minivan kind of situation. And mm. that can take you around and also take you to the, the major hubs, transport hubs. So that could be Auckland's answer using these vans to get around for people who say, okay, I know the buses don't work for me because I'm so far away from a major transport hub, but I'll use AT Local to take me to the train station or take me to the bus depot. Now we can try and work things out. All right. A a couple, a few more issues I want to cover off just before we get to our quick fire Mm -hmm. round. Uh, Crime. I know that you were involved in a bit of an altercation a few months ago I saw on your your social media. Tell me about that. Uh, I was working on my house and a drunk driver uh, sideswiped a parked car out the front and then drove away. Uh, so I went and 
tried to find where that person came from. I didn't know if it was a local or not, so I started door knocking, and as I was door knocking, he came running up the driveway, and he was drunk. Uh, so that's where an altercation happened, because, uh, is, that, is that you? Um, because I wanted to know where to call the police to say mm. I found... Um, and I guess that's me helping again. I should have just rung the police and told them what happened and let them go find it, but I couldn't help myself. I go find, um, and then I was going to call him, but he turned up at exactly the same address of the house I happened I to be knocking on the door. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got in a scuffle, and uh, then a handful of us had to hold him down, and, and he was... Don't know what he was on, but it was something pretty good. Right. And um, we found out that he'd also had another accident um, in the car, took down a power pole, and then he went to the police station. They had to let him go. He got out, stole a car, had another accident that night, head on, putting people in hospital. So, yeah, that was my altercation. Okay, so we're hearing stories like like that and ram raids and other other acts of violence almost every day in the city, it mm-hmm. seems. So what, what can a mayor do about that? Not a lot. Unfortunately, council is not a security firm. That's not its job at all. So policing and crime prevention is government's job, but they're just not doing it well enough at the moment. So where the council steps in is by advocating for the people, lobbying government to say we need more police and we need more social services because crime comes from bad social aspects of life. That's where it comes from, whether it be poverty or boredom or whatever it is, it's a social issue. Community groups can step in and help troubled youth, but again, that's not a council job. What council could do is say to the community groups, you've got nowhere to meet, you can't afford the fee to rent one of the community halls, so we'll help out with that because this is a really good cause. And you just got to weigh that up as well because then other community groups will say, well, if you're looking after them, you've got to look after us, and so you can see where the problems can start to expand. But to me, that's a fairly fundamental one. So that's where council can step in. Council's job is not to uh, secure buildings and secure businesses on their behalf. If businesses in a community want to be part of a business district, a business group, and, and their targeted rate, and they choose to use that for security patrols or CCTV, that's up to them. They, they, right. It's their money. They can choose to do what they want. And I think in Otahu, I think there's another suburb that does it. Well, there's you know there's some downtown, and well, CBD is mm. another issue. But it's not a council role. We should be lobbying government and saying, "Come on, you're not providing Aucklanders with the services you are meant to be providing: fire, police, ambulance, hospitals, schools." Right. That's government's mm. job. Okay. All right. Uh, this is your second time uh, running for the mayoralty. If you don't get it this time round, uh, would you run again in 2025? I guess it is. D- Depends on the numbers, to be honest. Uh, if 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 I dip out badly, then that tells me whilst that many people liked my message, not enough did. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to weigh it up and see, is that the case or did it just not get out to enough people? Or if I'm very close but didn't quite get there, that tells me that, yeah, this is worth doing because my message must have got out. Plenty of people heard it. Won't take much more to get that message out again. So so it's dependent really on the people. They're, they're the decider, not me. Mm. And if you are successful and you become mayor, do you think you would want to run again in three years' time or would three years be enough to, no. to do the turnaround job that you're proposing? No, you can't. And, and that's what uh, disturbs me a little bit uh, about um, Brown as a candidate. He's admitted he's a one-term mayor and then he's out. Well, you can't achieve what you want to achieve in, in three years. It's just not going to happen and everyone knows that. So I find that a little bit disingenuous to the voters that 
it's like, well, what's your agenda then? What's your purpose? Because your policy's a little light. Um, so what are you really here for? So no, you've got to you've got to say to the people you need two terms if they want you and more. Cool. Or you might go, I've done my job. Someone else can carry on. Right. But I think you need six. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, quick fire round, uh, and I'll ask you to keep the question to just a sentence or two. Uh, if you can. So first one, what suburb do you live in? Blockhouse Bay. And when was the last time you used public transport? Would have been a month or six, six, eight weeks ago. That'd be bus? It was train, actually. Train? All right. Mm. Uh, when was the last time you rode a bike in Auckland? Be two, three years ago when I got rid of my bike. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, if you couldn't live in Auckland, where would you live? Cambridge. Hmm. Uh, if in your three years as me, you could only change one thing about Auckland, what would that one thing be? Preferred contractor procurement system. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting policy of yours, which I'll, people could can have a, a look on your website to learn a little bit more about. Uh, what politician do you most admire? Difficult. Difficult. I don't really have one, honestly, because there's little bits about various ones I like. I like the toughness of Margaret Thatcher, but she also did a lot wrong. I liked um, the way that, that you had someone like John Key who, who, who had a, a personality you could adhere to, but I wasn't always impressed with what he did either. Uh, Obama, you know, loved some things, didn't like some things. Uh, Mandela, same. So uh, Winston Churchill. But I'd say in Mears, I never met him. I'm too young to have known him, but I've read his book and Mayor Robbie is, 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 mm. is right up there from what I know of him. Yeah, nice. Um, would you hire Efeso Collins or Wayne Brown if you were elected? Wayne, definitely not. Uh, he's not a people person, and this role and position requires people. He's a project manager. He's admitted that. That's his, his thing, and that's what he should be doing, um, managing projects, not not being a mayor or a leader of a group of people. Efeso, no. And the reason is I, I said to Efeso, and actually at debates, you are wasting your talent. You are a social services person. You should be knocking on the door of government in some department, and that is what you are exceptional at. Do it. Use those skill sets to what you should be using them for. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a role for that inside Auckland Council as such, because, as I said, it's core services, not social services. So, no, probably not. Some of the other candidates, though, who, who haven't had much airtime, there's a couple in there that I'd actually bring in to do specific roles, yeah. All right. Uh, and a question that I'm asking all my guests, you're from, from a few suburbs over, but could you tell me one of your favourite places in Onihunga and why you love it? Oh, well, I worked there for 16 years. Um, the, the the new beach area and park area for the dog walking is fantastic, what they did mm. there down in the harbour. I think that's brilliant. Um, I do like the new bridge at Mangari Bridge, which is next door. And I, yeah. I, I lived. I, I actually flattered in Onihunga when I first moved to Auckland, and then I flattered at Mangari Bridge. So, kind of there. Um, I, I, Onihunga. I, I'm a, being an engineer. I just love industrial sites. <laughs> I mm. don't know. And Onihunga's full of it. And I love the workingness of Onihunga. So that, that's probably what I like. It's, it's pretty grassroots, blue collar, which is what I am, and and I, I kind of fit in there. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Okay. And uh, before we go, just in under two minutes, could you tell the people listening why they should vote for you, Craig Lord? 
basically I'm a common sense person. I want to bring practicality back into the council operations. I believe we can turn it around and make the bad things good and the good things even better. There are good things in Auckland City and yes, there are issues, but they are fixable. And then it's not all doom and gloom. And just with a bit of common sense, a bit of practicality, we can make it a livable city again. We can make it so that people can go, this is great. I'm loving Auckland right now. And that's what I want to try and achieve. Great. Well, thanks a lot for your time today. We appreciate it. And it's been good to just hear a little bit more about your uh, your campaign and your policy. So all the best for the uh, few weeks ahead. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and your neighbours. And make sure to connect with me on social media. I'm Tim underscore McCready on both Twitter and Instagram, and I'd love to hear from you. Thanks also to my producer, Josh Couch, who dreamed up Onihanga FM to bring hyper-local content to the residents of Onihanga and surrounding suburbs. I'll be back with the next episode soon. And don't forget to vote. Voting closes on the 8th of October.